We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to today's message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Now here's Pastor Muta. Um, let me begin uh, this morning by asking you uh, a quick question. Uh, how many of you guys have had your transmission go out in your car? Anybody has had a transmission go out in the car? Isn't it one of the most like frustrating thing when you can't get that gear to shift? So if, if you don't know if you don't know what I'm talking about this morning, when your transmission goes out in the car, uh, one of the things that happens is it quits shifting. It, it, your gears stop going from three to four to five and all of that. And while you're driving, you can be hitting the gas and you'll be going, but you won't be going very far because maybe you will be only in the third gear. And so I remember when I was about 16 years old, uh, my transmission went out in my car and my dad told me, he's like, you know, you've got to stop driving this car. You got to wait till the transmission uh, is fixed and all of that. But as a 16 year old, man, you want to hang out with your buddy, Steve. And you're like, man, by any means necessary. So I created this little thing where I counted when I was driving the car, I would hit the gas and I would knew at the right moment when I needed to let off the gas so that it would go ahead and engage and switch. And it had this like hard shift that it did. And so I was driving that. My buddy, He's like, dude, what's wrong with your car? I'm like, man, you know, don't worry about it. I'm just driving it. But a lot of times I would miss the shift, and so I would keep my foot on the gas, and the car would be revving, and my RPMs would be so high, but yet I wasn't going anywhere. Like, it wasn't getting any faster than 30 miles per hour. And it was the most frustrating thing when I couldn't find that shift. I needed to know when to let off the gas so that it would shift. And so my dad was like, listen, you are going to blow your engine if you keep driving your car like that. It's going to be more than just your transmission that you're going to need to fix. You're going to need your whole engine replaced. And as a stubborn teenager, I revved that thing till I blew a gasket, and there went my car. And then I was like, hey, Dad, I need a new car. <laughs> but here goes the deal. Some of us are in that space where we've been revving our engine so much. We've been going and going and going, but for some reason we feel like we can't move further down the road than right where we're at. Uh, We've been hitting the gas and the RPMs of life are going so high and they're running so high and we just feel like, why aren't I getting anywhere? I'm doing what I thought I was supposed to do. I'm moving in the direction I thought I was supposed to uh, do, go. And for some reason, no matter how hard I work, no matter what I do, I just can't seem from get to point A to point B in a timely fashion. And here's the deal. Some of us are at that space where we've been running our RPM so high for so long that we are uh, in danger of, of blowing a gasket, in, in danger of really seeing something happen in our life that's going to be devastating, that's going to stop us dead in our tracks. And I thank God, side note, for people like my wife, who just wrote on a piece of paper, and said, your shoe is untied. <laughs> Thank you, babe. 
I appreciate it. I'm going to make sure I don't trip. See, running my RPMs. If I take a spill here, listen, you're free to laugh. I'll probably laugh as well, too. But here's the deal. Even though we may be in that situation, I've been in that situation. The beauty about it is, is there's good news. There's good news. And that's what we came to talk about today. And as we get ready to talk about it, the Holy Spirit is saying, tie your shoes because you're about to take a real spill. So here we go. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse 35. We're going to go to verse 38. This is a continuation of last week's message. The last week's message was called The Shift. And just to give you a little background on last week's message, if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. Um, House crew will get one to you. A little background about last week. We started the story of this miraculous birth of Jesus Christ, uh, the reason for the season, the individual that we are uh, here celebrating every Sunday, the individual who Christmas is all about. And where we find in the story, where we pick up in the story last week, is an angel, this miraculous being from heaven, shows up into little old Mary, who is uh, from a small town. She's a young lady. She's getting ready to be married. Um, she's keeping herself pure. She hasn't slept with anybody. She's picking her wedding dress. Everything is going great. Her husband, he's getting the house ready. He's preparing to bring his wife home. And then this angel shows up and says, hey, guess what? You've been favored by God. He loves you. And he wants to do something amazing in your life. And surprise, you are going to be pregnant. And that totally shifts the situation for her because if she ends up pregnant outside of wedlock in this situation, she can be stoned to death. She can uh, be ridiculed. Her husband can leave her. All of the dreams that she had will be shattered. And so now she has to wrestle in the tension of God is trying to shift her life, but it's about to mess up the very thing that she's trying to get to in life. And so we talked about how when God shows up in your life, he favors you. But when God shows up to, in your life, he's also showing up to disrupt your plans. And so the angel goes on and he talks uh, about this magnificent child that she's going to have, that he's going to be called the son of God, talking about uh, how Jesus referred to himself as the son of God and how he would be born and and it'll be a spectacular event. And he was going to grow up to be this king, this ruler who's going to take over thrones and his kingdom will have no end. And her simple statement is like, that's nice, but you still haven't told me how that's going to happen because I'm still a virgin. And the beauty of what we learned last week is that when God wants to shift your life, he's going to do it in a way that you will never be able to take the credit. You're just going to have to acknowledge the fact like, wow, that was God. Holy Ghost moment right there. And so that's where we pick up on the story in verse 35. So Mary in verse 34, her last statement to the angels is, how will this be since I am a virgin? So in verse 35, the angel responds. And he said, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and power of the Most High will overshadow you. First of all, he tells her that the Holy Spirit was going to come over her, meaning this baby is going to have divine origin. This baby is not going to be like every other baby that was born. This baby is going to be special, and it's going to be divine. It's going to be something that's birthed directly by God. 
the Holy Spirit would do all the work. You don't have to worry about it, uh, Mary. The baby is going to end up in your stomach, and it's going to be the Holy Spirit's work. And I know that sounds really weird for somebody who maybe not used to that type of terminology, but here goes the bottom line. When God wants to birth something in your life, you are going to have nothing to do with it. At the end of the day, somebody needs to know today that what God wants to do in your life goes beyond even your greatest limitation. There's nothing that you can do to contrive and control the beauty of what God wants to birth in your life. Then he goes on to say, therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. You know, the association with the Holy Spirit and power in our lives is very common in the Bible. Whenever you hear power, you always talk, you hear about the spirit moving. And the truth is, for all of our lives, whether our life feels stagnant, whether our life feels like maybe it's just not getting to the tip of the hill and we're not reaching our tipping point, the reality is you've got power living inside of you, so there's nothing that is too hard for God. He will give you all power. And when God promises to provide something in your life or to do something in your life, when he's given you that dream, when he's given you that desire that you know did not come from you, it's one of those things where you woke up in the morning and like, I really want to do this, but it doesn't really make sense. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But I really believe that this is what God is calling me to do. He will give you the power to do it because his spirit rests in you. But not only that, the baby who was going to be born was going to be done, born by the power of the Holy Spirit, but he would also be called holy. He would be called holy. We talked a little bit at the, about the, uh, at the beginning of this verse that the circumstances under the birth of Jesus were going to be miraculous. They were going to be special. It wasn't just going to be that average type of birth. It was going to be unique in this word holy. It doesn't mean uh, that was going to be his title. It, it just means the description. Like when people see Jesus, when they experience him around them, they're going to realize that there is something significant about this guy, even though he looked like an ordinary dude. If Jesus was walking down the streets of Niles right now, I guarantee you none of us will look twice. <laughs> the Bible says he was just a common dude. But the power that dwelt within him and the things that he could accomplish was much bigger and much deeper. So much so that people looked at him and said, that dude is holy. That dude is significant. He looks like an average guy. And in fact, we see this in the story uh, told in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 13, verse 54. It talks about Jesus. It says, coming to his hometown, he taught them in the synagogue, so that they were astonished. I believe we've got the screen for this. And they said, so he he comes into his hometown where he grew up. John, you end up back in Elkhart. That's where you grew up in South Bend. And you go into the church out there, and you begin to talk. And they're like, man, I remember John John. Like, that's a dude around the way. He used to live by Notre Dame, right? I know that dude. But they were astonished. And said, where did this man get this wisdom and this mighty works? Jesus was an average guy, but he was not so average. 
When he walked into a place, he commanded the attention from everyone that everyone stopped and said, hold up. Isn't this the guy? Why, why is he so, where'd he come from? Why is he so smart? And here's the deal. God places his divine mark on all of his blessings. No one can deny the blessings of God because he will place his divine mark that everybody will recognize there is something different. There's something different about this teacher named Danae. She wants to start this youth group in this public school, and we're just going to go ahead and let her do that in the common area where we're really not supposed to, but at the end of the day, there is something significant about her, so let's just let her do it. God places his mark on his divine blessing. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, there's another story about a group of guys. These group of guys weren't learned guys. They were common dudes. They were fishermen. They were day laborers. Uh, they, were, uh, they were the guys who, who wait at the end uh, uh, of the day and say, when trucks are coming by and say, hey, you got work? I'll come and work. These guys weren't educated. In fact, they failed out of the Jewish education. And so they ended up doing what their family did and just uh, were fishermen. They were common fishermen. They, they cussed like sailors. They were, just, they were just dudes, a little rugged, ready to fight, ready to do whatever. But after an encounter with Jesus, after spending three years with Jesus, uh, we find something shifts about them. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Here's the deal. When God is birthing something in your life, you know it's from God when other people recognize it. In fact, we'll say it like this in the first point. I'll know if the fruit that is birthed from my life, and the fruit, this means anything that comes out of my life, the things that I put my mind and my heart to, the things that become significant in my life, the things that I, that I desire, the things that, that, that I develop, I'll know if the fruit that is birthed from my life is from God when others recognize that it is holy. What's holy in your life? What are people calling out and they're saying, man, there is something about what you're doing there. There is something about your life. There's something about your children. There's something about the way you do business. There's something about the way you work. There's something about the way you talk. There's something about your attitude that there is something significant. And for me, it just, I can't help but think maybe there's something holy about you. You ever been around those people? That you're just like, man, there is something awesome about you. I just want to be around you. In verse 36 and verse 37, the angel continues and he says, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. 
Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. And beginning, at the beginning of this book of Luke, uh, Luke opens up with a story about a woman named Elizabeth who couldn't have children. She was old in age. She was past childbearing age. And all these years, her and her husband wanted to have a child, and they couldn't have a child. And, and for individuals like that in their culture, if a woman couldn't have children, that means maybe, just maybe, she was cursed by God. And maybe there was something about her that God didn't like, but here's the deal. It doesn't matter what you've been called because the only thing that matters to God is what he's calling you to. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what you've been unable to accomplish, whatever label that God, that people have put on you, God is like, that doesn't matter because there's something else that I want to call you. I want to call you to. I want to call you upwards. I want to change your name. This woman couldn't have kids, and all of a sudden she has a child, and and and. I love this quote from Matthew Henry. We don't have this because I literally just, I came across it last night as I was just studying for the message. Matthew Henry says this, no word of God must be incredible to us as long as no work of God is impossible to him. I guess I did have it in here. That's what happens when you stay up late at night and you forget what you did. No word of God must be incredible to us as long as no work of God is impossible to him. He goes the big idea here. Point number two. When God decides to work on my behalf, impossibilities become impossible. Somebody get that on the drive home. When God decides to work on my behalf, impossibilities become impossible. There is no way you're going to be able to accomplish that. Who said? Because my God can do all things. There's no way I'll be able to become that type of person. Who said? Because God transformed a bunch of crazy fishermen into the greatest evangelists the church has ever known. Well, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've done this. I've been here. I've experienced this. I don't know what God can do in my life. Well, how about God changes a man named Saul, who was a murderer of Christians, to be the greatest church planner in the world? Nothing is out of God's possibility. There's a story in the book of Ezekiel, in this prophet named Ezekiel, this man of God who loved God, who wanted to honor God. One day, God says, hey, I need you to come over here for a second. I need you to go to this grave site. I need you to go over there right by Silverbrook. See all those graves over there, Steve? This is what I want you to do. I want you to begin to prophesy over them. For them to come to life. Are you serious, God? First of all, that's just weird, God. Why would I do that? Because there's a miracle that I want to show you. And we see that in verse 4 and 5 of Ezekiel. Then he said to me, this is what uh, Ezekiel is saying. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. 
Thus says the Lord to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. So I prophesied as he commanded and then breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet in an exceedingly great army. These bones that were nothing but dry and dead. These areas of our lives that are dry and dead. These relationships in our families that are dry and dead. God says begin to prophesy over them. This word prophesy just means begin to speak life into them. Begin to talk healing over them. Begin to talk joy over them. Begin to talk uh, uh, success over them. And this is no name and claim it stuff. This is God's word saying, what I have placed in your heart, whatever I want to birth in your life, it will come to pass according to my will. Now, now here's the deal. There, there are certain things that happen in our lives. We lose family members. And we're not understanding why this is happening or, or a relationship breaks down to the point that it becomes irreparable. Don't you know that that's all part of God's plan for the shift in your life? And maybe he's shifting the world around you. There's a lesson in everything that God allows to happen in our lives. And sometimes we'll never understand what it is in that moment. But God says, listen, my peace is there with you. I'm there to comfort you. I'm there to sustain you. I'm there to hold you up because there's a bigger plan in all of this. Just trust me. Will you trust me? In verse 38, this is how Mary responds. It says, and Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your world, your word. And the angel departed from her. Servant of the Lord. Mary responds with this sense of humility, this sense of I'm willing to do whatever you say. I'm willing to be whatever you call me to be. I'm willing to go wherever you called me to go. She says, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. He's got free reign over my life. Let nothing stand in my way. Let not my desire stand in my way. Let not my, my, my personal disposition stand in my way. Not my failure stand in my way. Not my limitations stand in the way. Not even the big plans that I have. Mary was willing to give up the future of an amazing marriage. You know, this word servant is translated as a voluntary slave. And Mary heard the amazing news that God wanted to birth something incredible, that she, he, she was going to carry the Savior of the world. And she says, I'm in. 
Whatever you want to do with my life, even if it ruins my marriage, even if it causes me to be ostracized, even if I may get stoned in the end and lose everything that I ever wanted, I'll trust you. I'm yours. Mary says, let it be to me. Lord, I will trust you. I'm fully surrendered. See, see guys, there's a difference between being fully surrendered to God and want to treat him like the side chick. There's something very different between saying, God, I'm all yours, or, hey, let's just be friends with benefits. I got commitment issues. But I tell you what, when I'm around, hook me up. Mary could have seen this situation as the most devastating thing in her life, but she saw it as an opportunity to see God do the most amazing things. Not only for her life, but for the world. What is God wanting to birth inside of you where he's trying to shift your life? Where the blessing that he wants to give you goes beyond you but flows into other people's lives. And see, for some people, your career is going to shift. Uh, for some people, the plans that you're making are going to shift. Because God says, I want to call you upward. I want to call you into my mission. I want you to turn away from the things that you want to do and turn into the things that I want for you. Will you respond like Mary and say, well, I am a servant of the Lord. I'm here to do whatever it takes, Lord. I am here to advance your mission. Or are you going to say, that's nice, but I'm good, God. Because, uh, God, I, I can't let my world be flipped upside down right now. There's too much for me to lose. I've been planning this all of my life. Here's the bottom line in this moment. In, in point number three, we learned that my response to God's favor will determine whether I experience miracles or mess. See, we, we can look at God shifting our life as messing our life up. Because I don't get to live where I wanted to live. I don't get to go where I wanted to go. I don't get to become what I thought I wanted to become. Or you can look at it as a miracle and say, what if? What if God's plan is better than my plan? Oh, what if he's trying to walk me into something that goes beyond my wildest imaginations? What if God's plan is the wild blue yonder that I can't, my mind can't even begin to fathom right now? And for a lot of us, it's at this moment where we've got to embrace the shift. And see, last week, we talked about getting ready for the shift. And Mary had to be ready for what God was getting ready to do in her life. But at this moment, she made a decision that says, you know what, God, you're about to flip my world upside down. I'm ready. 
I am a servant. I will embrace the shift because this shift is from God. And we will never able, be able to experience the miraculous power of God if we don't embrace the shift. But here's how we do that. That sounds nice, preacher. But what does it look like practically? Number one, know that you're not alone. You're not the only one who's ever had a shift in their life. And number two, get with people whose lives have been drastically shifted by God. Because as we see in this text, later on, after Mary finds out that her cousin has had a baby too in a miraculous way, she's conceived in a miraculous way, she goes to her cousin's home. She knows I'm not alone in this shifting process. And she's far ahead of me than I am, so let me go spend a little time with my cousin Elizabeth. And for some of us in here, maybe we need to stop resisting the shift, but we need to embrace the shift and start looking around and say, who is God shifting around me? Who has talked about their life has shifted? I want to get around you because I'm ready for this shift. I want to know how to live this shift. I want to know how to embrace this shift. I want to know what God will do in my life because it seems like it's working out for you. God wants to shift your life. And today, are you willing to embrace that shift? I'll tell you why. Because your faith depends on the shift. For some of us, our marriage depends on the shift. For some of us, our careers depend on the shift. For some of us, our well-being is because of the shift. For some of us, our success according to God's will and plan is due to the shift. Our life is all about the shift. Our eternity will be impacted by the shift. Other people's lives will be impacted by my shift. So I don't know what it is for your life. But I believe that God came to tell me today, came to tell you and came to tell me myself, because this message doesn't only get preached to you, it gets preached to me as well. I've talked to a few people. I've talked to Rhonda Gibson Willis, i talked to my wife. God has been shifting my life. And for somebody in here, you've got to embrace the shift. And maybe for you, the shift is just making a decision to follow Jesus. This amazing, miraculous birth of the Savior who was going to be the Savior of the world, who was going to bring joy, peace, direction to everyone who acknowledges him. And maybe for you, today, you've never accepted Jesus. You've heard about the story about Jesus. Uh, you're like Mary. You're, you're, you're hearing about it. You've heard about it from the preachers. You've heard about it from cousins, from moms, from grandpas and grandmas. And today, maybe your shift begins today and you're saying, you know what? I'm tired of running like Emily said. I'm going to embrace the shift. And I'm going to accept Jesus Christ coming to this earth so that he could shift my life. And maybe for somebody else, you've made the decision to follow Jesus already. And you've just kind of been walking in this, this path, and it's been okay. But God says, I want to take you deeper. I want to show you more. 
And maybe for you, your next step is saying, you know what, I want to go public for Jesus. Like I said, we've got the baptism trough open. We got shorts, we got t-shirts, we got towels. Don't let anything stand in the way of your shift. Because as we work, as we see for Mary, the child that was born in a manger ended up being the best thing that ever happened to her because that same child who shifted her life saved her life. And he saved my life. And he saved your life. And will you accept him today and allow him to shift your life so that you can experience things that you've never experienced in your life. You will experience joy that you've never experienced in your life. You will experience heights that you've never experienced in your life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. God, we thank you that when we hear this message of Jesus Christ, that's an immediate sign that you have favored our life, that you have chosen our life. We thank you, Lord, that every single person in here is seen by you. God, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so glad that even though the shift is uncomfortable, it is the best thing for our lives because you created heavens and earth and you know how this world exists. You know what's best for us. And though, Lord, we've got to wrestle with that tension of how this is going to disrupt my life and how I'm going to look in front of friends, how I'm going to look in front of my parents, how I'm going to look in front of my, my, my boys, my, my homegirls, my whoever it is, my colleagues. And we know that the miracle that's going to come out of the shift in our lives is going to be so much bigger than we can ever expect. And we thank you, God, that you will go beyond all of our limitations. That whatever we say can't happen or it can never be, Lord, impossibilities become impossible with you. And God, I pray that in this moment, somebody will see this disruption in their life as a miracle and not mess. And one, they'll decide to follow you. God loves you. He brought you in here this morning because he wants to talk to you personally. He wants to reach you personally. And he wants to shift your life personally. He's made all the miraculous way possible. All you have to do is accept him today. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.